0: are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron All right, open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number four, Ephesians chapter number four, and we are going to read verses 25 through 32 today. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 25 through 32 but before we do that just want to introduce our series once again Uh, We are continuing our series looking at the one another passages in the Bible And we are just moving right along with the series I believe this is the fourth or fifth one another phrase that we've looked at We took an off week last week because of the weather But now we're back and ready to go and I'm excited to look at this one another passage in Ephesians chapter number 4 so if you have your Bibles, let's, let's read this now. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 25 through 32. The phrase one another is found in verse number 25. The Bible says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then it goes on to say, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that steals, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind... One to another Tender hearted Forgiving one another Even as God for Christ's sake Hath forgiven you In those verses that we just read We came across three One another passages mentioned Twice in verse 32 And once in verse number 25 And this really just goes to show How important one another's And relationships and community are In the local church, and in the Word of God. You see, authentic church life requires authentic relationships. That's what we see when we read these verses. And because the local church is made up of people, we must learn how to function correctly in our relationships with one another. Now, Bible students sometimes refer to church relationships as body life or interconnectedness. uh, Whether you call it that or not, whatever term you use, what we discover when we read the word of God is the fact that relationships with real people can be difficult. Relationships with real people can be difficult, which is why the Apostle Paul is dealing with this in Ephesians chapter four. He says, we're members one of another, be kind one to another, forgive one another. He is dealing with authentic church relationships. And just as that is an issue In the first century, we find out in the 21st century, it's an issue as well. Relationships can be difficult. And the question that we need to ask is how do we maintain love, unity, and fellowship in the church body through our relationships with one another? How can we have authentic, real, and edifying relationships within our church? Well, here's the good news the Apostle Paul deals with this issue, the Apostle Paul gives us the remedy. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we find three core truths that deal with the church community and that deal with developing authentic, unified, harmonious church relationships. And we're going to look at that here today. And if you are following along in your outline on the church app, I encourage you to write these things down. I believe it will help you so much. And the first point that I want you to notice is the importance of church community, the importance of community. And we see the importance right off the bat in verse number 25. Let's look at that verse again. The Bible says, "Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another." So that's the first one another mentions in our passage of scripture. Now, it's mentioned three different times in this short passage of scripture indicating that we need each other in the Christian life. And you've heard me mention this before, but the term one another is found 100 times in 94 New Testament verses indicating that we need each other in the Christian life, right? The one another's are there for a reason. You see, God never intended his children to live isolated and alone. No, he intended for us to do life together and that's why he established the local church. That's why he established the church today. You see, a church community Is God's design Which is really cool You see in today's world Dependency is often Considered a weakness Have you ever noticed that You're weak to be Dependent on something We're taught that We don't need anyone To figure things out On our own Uh, But God did not Create you to be alone No God created you To depend on one another He created you To depend on a Spiritual family For support Think about it For a second All right. When Jesus sent the Disciples out to begin Preaching on their own What did he do He sent them in pairs, right? When Elijah was depressed and discouraged, God gave him Elisha to join him in the ministry. When God commanded the early church to send out missionaries, they sent Paul and Barnabas together. We always see them in pairs, one another, right? And the reason why this is is because there is enormous safety and encouragement in knowing that you are not alone. And that's why the church is established. And it's kind of cool. If you look up the word church in the Greek, And if we follow the linguistic etymology of our English word church, do you want to know what we find out? We find out that that word church means a called-out assembly belonging to the Lord. That's what church is, a called-out assembly belonging to the Lord. Now, it's also interesting to note, though, that the Greek word ekklesia, which is the word church in the New Testament, is used 150 times in the Scriptures, or 115 times, I should say. And 112 of those times, it refers to a local assembly of believers. It refers to a local church. What we discover when we really dive into the meaning and the context here is that a local church community is God's design. It is God's design for you to be a part of a local church because the people in your local church will strengthen you, will help you, and it will mold you into the person that god wants you to be you see a church community is god's design that's why it's important but we also find out that a church community is god's answer you see the local church is god's answer to many of life's problems today and all throughout the scriptures we see that to be true we find out that community is god's answer to loneliness that's found in first corinthians chapter 14 community is god's answer to fatigue galatians six ten community is god's answer to defeat ecclesiastes 4:10 community is god's answer to despair romans 12:15 and community is god's answer to suffering 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 it is god's design for you and i and it is the answer for all of our problems or at least a majority of our problems in life it helps us be who god called us to be That's why God established the church. Someone put it this way. They said, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run with others. And I think that summarizes the local church. We are to do life together so we can go far, so we can move forward in the Christian life. And so we can be who God called us to be. So that's the first point that we need to highlight in verse 25. The importance of community. But the second point that I want to look at today is also the issues. The issues within the community. You see, not only does the church have great benefit to you and me, but how many of you know that when you start to go to church, pretty soon you start to see some issues that are taking place within that local church, right? There's no such thing as a perfect church. No, if there is a perfect church as soon as you became a member there It's no longer perfect because you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect church There's issues within the church community and praise God the Apostle Paul actually lists some of the many issues People can have within the church community He lays them out for you and I and he lays out five different things and the first one that he highlights is anger Anger is the first issue look at verse 26 and 27. He says be angry and sin not Be angry and sin not and then he says let not the sun go down upon your wrath Neither give place to the devil We find out there some issues within church is anger And anger can hurt the church, right? How many of you have noticed some angry people that are in your church? right anger can can cause problems within the church and when someone gets angry there will often be a sin that accompanies that anger that's what we need to understand here be angry and sin not and and the reason why this is is because our anger is usually self-centered our feelings get hurt, our rights are violated our efforts go unrecognized and therefore we get angry Right? I know a lot of people that can get angry because of those things within the church community. But the Bible tells us that we ought to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Right? We can't let anger control our lives. And the problem with anger is that it makes us speak quickly, giving a piece of our minds before we have listened and understood the situation. And man's anger seldom, if ever, leads to God's righteousness. No, it, it reveals our carnality and self-centeredness. Benjamin Franklin put it this way. He said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. And I would agree with that, right? Sinful anger provokes thoughts of revenge and justification of our own actions. And it causes a lot of issues within the church community. And that's one of the issues that the Apostle Paul highlights. He says, hey, one issue is look out for anger. But then the second issue we see in verse 28 is laziness. Not only do we see anger within the church, but we also see laziness. Look at verse number 28. The Bible says, let him that steal, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good. All right. So the Bible says, don't steal, work, labor. Right. And and what we find out when we read that verse is laziness is also something that takes place within the local church body that can hurt the church. And you may be thinking, what? what does laziness mean in a part of church life well i'll 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 narrow it down for you okay laziness in the church is asking yourself what can i get from my church rather than what can i do for my church i think that could be a good definition right so many people are are like okay what can i get out of this church service what can i get out of this and there's nothing wrong with that to a certain extent but if you were only thinking about yourself and not thinking about serving and being a blessing to others then I think that would categorize as laziness within the church. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, if you are idle in Christ's work, you are active in the devil's work. And I, I would agree with that for sure. God created us to work. God created us to work together within the local church. You see, the church is not a monument. No, it's a movement. It's a movement. And, and to be the church, it takes moving. It takes growing it takes moving forward like our theme in 2024 adrian rogers said a a church will either evangelize or fossilize but it will not stand still you see if you want to continue to grow and and thrive in your relationships within the church it takes hard work it takes efforts it takes overcoming this issue of laziness so the apostle paul highlights anger The Apostle Paul highlights laziness. And then number three, he also highlights poor communication. Now, the majority of problems in life, not just in a church setting, but in life in general, would have to be a lack of or poor communication, right? Poor communication. And and that's what the Apostle Paul addresses here. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And what we discover there is corrupt communication can hurt the church, right? Now, corrupt communication or, or poor communication could be lying communication, lies within the church, or it could be a lack of communication. But both can affect the church negatively. That's something that I try to work on. I try to, to communicate more because... Sometimes we can struggle with a lack of communication and and people get left in the dark when that takes place. Um, And that can cause some issues in the church and I think everybody can identify with that. And that's number three, that's what the Apostle Paul addresses. But then number four, we also see an issue that takes place in the church and that is bitterness. Bitterness can cause issues within the church. Verses 30 and 31, Paul says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And then he says, let all bitterness... And wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He says, let all bitterness be put away from you. And he names a number of things after that. And what we find out is bitterness can hurt the church, right? Unresolved anger develops into bitterness and it turns into malice. And when we harbor bitterness in our hearts, our minds will constantly dwell on the subject of our bitterness, and what will happen is these thoughts will poison us as well as everyone around us. You ever experience that in church? Maybe the pastor didn't acknowledge you on a Sunday because he was busy and, and you think, oh, he doesn't have time for me. He doesn't want to talk with me or, or somebody says something that you take the wrong way and, and, and you get bitter about it, right? That that can fester, right? You got to overcome that. That's an issue that can affect the church. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, the Bible says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You see, if we allow anger and bitterness to corrupt our hearts, we will never be able to consistently show the kindness of God. That is another issue that creeps into local churches, bitterness. And then the fifth one that we see is evil speaking. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, the idea of evil speaking there means perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault finding and slander. That's the idea there. It's about disliking someone, talking negative about someone behind their back, finding flaws in people. Right? That is the idea of evil speaking. And all of those issues can break a church. And I think every single one of us have experienced that taking place within the church. Sometimes there's a lot of busybodies in the church. Have you ever noticed that? Right? That would fall under the category of evil speaking. It would. Busybodies. That falls into that category. And these are issues that the apostle Paul says we need to address. So, we see the importance of community. It's God's design. It's God's answer in order for us to live the thriving, abundant life that God would have us to live. But then we see the issues, some of the issues that we need to be aware of. But then the third point to close out his passage, I want you to notice the instructions, the instructions for the church community. And we find the instructions in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. The Bible says, and be kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Three different times in the passage of scripture that we've read, the phrase one another is mentioned. Verse 25 and twice in verse number 32. Be kind one to another and forgiving one another. And in verse 32, we find three things that we must do In order to thrive and overcome these issues within the church and be the local church the church community that God called us to be and the first one is we must be kind right he says and be ye kind one to another it's simple as that right kill them with kindness that's what we are to do Uh, Mark Twain once said kindness is a language that deaf people hear and that blind people can see and I love that right You want to have a thriving church? Be kind, be kind, be kind one to another. Very simple, but very easy. And then the next one, be tenderhearted. He says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Now you look at that phrase tenderhearted, and that means having a strong inward compassion or to be sympathetic, to be sympathetic to somebody, right? A lot of issues will get solved within the church if you are sympathetic of the other person if you think about the other person's feelings and not yourself you see it's easy for us to get irritated at people but it is the christ-like thing to be compassionate toward them be sympathetic be compassionate be tender-hearted have you ever considered the person that annoys you at church the most might be going through a tough time Have you ever thought about that you ever thought about that? Maybe they're going through a tough time. We don't know what they're going through behind closed doors, and we need to be tender-hearted, sympathetic, and compassionate. That's the remedy to conflict. So be kind, be tender-hearted, and then number three, be forgiving. He says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, that phrase forgiving there in verse 32 means to give grace or to give pardon. Hey, give grace to the people that are causing conflict or that have rubbed you the wrong way or, or irritated you, right? Give them grace, right? You and I, we are either scorekeepers or we are grace givers. We either remember the wrong that others do to us, holding it against them for the future, or we extend grace to them when they wrong us. We're either... Scorekeepers are grace givers and, and I think we should be grace givers today Give grace And it, it is better for us to forgive Did you know that? It is a better thing for you and I to forgive Than to hold grudges Because forgiveness sets us on the path to liberty And when you forgive You set two people free With one of them being yourself You are set free When, when you forgive them Right? That, that burden is no longer there but if you hold on to feelings of bitterness, you become a captive to those very emotions. And it can, it can hurt you, right? There's actually a Mayo Clinic study that found that forgiveness actually brings physical, emotional, and relational benefits into our lives. Did you know that? And some of these benefits in the study include the following. It creates healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, Fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. All of that rolled up into forgiving one another. So many benefits, but put forgiveness into perspective now, all right? The Bible says, forgive one another, that's your instruction, but then it says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You want to know the reason why we should forgive? We should forgive others because God forgave us. God forgave us. God forgave us of our sins. He cleansed us from all unrighteousness. He remembers our sin no more. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We should forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. And I'll close with this quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, whenever I see myself before God and realize something of what my blessed Lord has done for me at Calvary, I am ready to forgive anybody anything. I cannot withhold it. I don't even want to withhold it. And I think that's a great quote. Are you hanging on to unforgiveness, bitterness, anger today? Well, think about what Jesus Christ has done for you and don't stop thinking about it until you're ready to forgive be kind be tender hearted be forgiving